Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Hey, we are in a series called Orange Table Talks, and I got my thing upside down. We started this series, and really what we're doing is, again, it's just an opportunity for us, to, like if I was sitting across a table from you, and obviously it's not one-on-one, but if it was like one-on-one, it's like one-on-200, but it's all good. And really what it is is just some different thoughts that uh, God has put on my heart that I think we should have conversation about. And today I want to talk to you from the, 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 the series of of scriptures in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to sit because you got to sit at a coffee shop. You know what I'm saying? I can't pace at a coffee shop. You know what I'm saying? So Matthew chapter 24 and verse four, it says this, Jesus told them, and he's talking to his disciples, and he had just talked about uh, some end time stuff. And so they ask him, well, when will, when will the end times be? And this is what Jesus says. He says, uh, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Wow, thanks, Jesus. Sounds great. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For if you are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when you first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. I wanna talk to you about a topic that's very uh, important to me and it's on my heart and that is the, the, the conversation and the title of this message and that's till the end. To the end. Two times right here we read, he says, if you stand firm to the end and then in Hebrews it says faithful to the end. You know, I want to be a person that, and when we say the end, we're not necessarily meaning the, the world may end, and that's not what we're talking about, but when Jesus comes back or when we one day pass on, whatever, that, whatever happens first, that to the end that we would remain faithful. We are living in time and a day and age where people are falling so quickly away from God, and I believe it's so vital as humans, if we call ourselves believers, Christians, it's so vital that we would be people that say, we're going to stand firm, firm and remain faithful to the end. It doesn't mean anything if we just are faithful for two years. It only means something if we're faithful to the end. And this is huge on my heart because when I, when I am one day on my deathbed, whenever that may be 500 years from now, um, that's a joke, okay? Uh, but I want to be somebody that, you know, as, as I'm on my, my last breath that 
it could be said that I remained faithful, that I stood firm in the faithfulness of God. But then also that not just with God, but also with my spouse, with my wife and my children. You know, when we're, we're passing on, it's not gonna be about how much money we have in our bank account. It's not gonna matter how many followers we have on Instagram. Those things are great. Followers are great. God gives us influence. Money's great. God gives us monies. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not gonna be things that really matter. What's gonna really matter is were we faithful to the end with God and were we faithful to the end with our family? And that's what I wanna talk to you today about. How do we really do that? How do we really live out, walk out? Again, this is really important to my heart. And how do we really walk out and live being faithful to the end. I'm glad you asked because I'm gonna talk about it today. Galatians chapter six and verse three, it says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If anybody thinks something of themselves, if they think too highly of themselves, they deceive themselves for each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. I love this scripture because his scripture says, listen, it's not about comparing myself to you. It's about taking action and evaluating, testing my own actions. I wanna evaluate my own actions and my own decisions in my own life and not get caught up in comparing to you because here's what happens. If I compare to you, one or two things are gonna happen. I can, even think, I can either think I'm more spiritual than you, so I'm good, or I can think I'm less spiritual than you, so I'm not good. And both of those are wrong. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to one another. He wants us to evaluate, to test our own actions, to say, are we living to the standard in which God has called us to live by? Are we living the way and making the decisions that God has called us to make? And so I wanna talk to you about that today. How can we really evaluate and test our own actions? In Proverbs chapter one and verse five, it says, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain Guidance. Proverbs chapter nine and verse nine, it says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Philippians chapter four and verse nine, keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me. Everything you have heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Just read three scriptures and it talks about the process of understanding the importance of learning. It says that you would increase in learning. You know, I believe if we're really gonna be people that remain faithful to the end, we have to be people that are always willing to outlearn, outlearn others, outlearn others. We are living in a culture and a society that hates learning. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm in school. Uh. Well, that's great. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about your education. I'm talking about learning the things of God and learning life and learning the things of life and how God wants us to live. We can't just get caught up in thinking learning is an education. Why? Because that means if we, once we get our education, we stop learning. And in fact, we oftentimes think that learning has an age limit. And we get to the place and experience in our job, we get to the place and knowledge or understanding of our education and our, our learning stops and here's what happens. Or spiritually, we grow with and go to church and we grow with God for a while and then our pursuit of learning about God and learning who God is and how he wants us to live stops because we think, oh, well, I've heard that story. Oh, well, I know that scripture. Oh yeah, I can, I can quote that scripture. And those things are great, but if we're not continuing to pursue learning, it's gonna cause us to get stuck and become complacent. The process and who we are is we, as humans is we should always be willing and desiring to pursue learning. And we hate it. 
Nobody likes to learn. Why? Because if you learning means you don't know something. Learning means you're not good enough at something. And so it's, it, as a culture and a society, we can get caught up in that. Why? I believe this. Because learning is dying. Learning is dying. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Let me explain. If I learn something, that means I'm dying to an old thought process and an old way of doing something. And so it's dying. And our, our flesh, our human nature, we don't like to die to things, so we don't want to have to learn it. We don't have to hear it because we don't want to have to die to it. We don't want to re, redo something else or learn something else, but God is wanting us to always be people that are learning who he is and learning in our own selves or who we are and, and our skills and our talents. Always be learning. Why? So we can continue to grow to be the people that he's called us to be. Here's what's interesting. Learning is dying, but if I'm not learning, I'm dying. Learning is dying, but if I'm not learning, I'm dying. Let me explain. If you stop, if you're married in the room, if you stop learning your spouse, even if you've been married for 20 years, if you've been married 30 years, you've been married 50 years, you've been married 10 years, you've been married two years, your spouse has changed since you've been married. And if we stop trying to learn our spouse, here's what happens. Our marriage starts to die. Our passion starts to die. If we stop learning how to be a good husband or a good wife, our relationship starts to die. If we stop learning and pursuing learning God, our relationship with God will start to die. If I'm not learning, I'm dying. Why? Because it causes me to become, become complacent and I become stuck. And this is why God wants us to be a people that are always wanting and desiring to learn. And that's a teachable spirit. It's a spirit that says, I don't know everything. I don't have the pride to think that I'm the best husband or, or I'm the best leader or I'm the best whatever it is that you do. No, I want to continue to learn. Why? Because I want God to continue to teach me. And so as I learn, as I die to those things, God shows me who he is and how I can even be a greater human on this planet that he's called me to be. We should be people that love to learn. And we're a culture, if we're being real, we're a culture that hates learning. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. I wanna give you some statistics today that will prove to me and prove to you that I am right and you are wrong. Okay, here we go. 33%, this is a statistic for you today, 33%, just to show you how much our culture hates to learn, 33% of high school graduates, 33% of people that graduate high school, one in every three people that graduate high school in our country, we're not talking about in our city, not talking about in our state, talking about our whole country, 33% of people that graduate high school one in every three people that graduate high school will never read another book. One in every three people in our country, if they graduate high school, will never read another book. You're in college, you're like, well, I have to read. Good, this one's for you. 42% of college students, 42% of college students that graduate college, they get their degree, 42%, that's almost half the people in our country, 42% of college graduates will never read another book. Almost half of our country will never read another book that I've graduated college. 80%, this, is one, this one's for all of us, this one will really get you, 80%. 80%, eight out of every 10 people, 
800 out of 1,000. 8,000. Okay, I can keep going. 80% of the people that live in America, 80% of the people that live in our country did not buy or read a book in the last year. 80% of the people that live in our country in the last year have not bought or purchased or read a book. 57%, more than half, 57% of the books that are purchased, 57, more than half of the books that are purchased are not read to completion. And I'll be honest, I'm one of those 57%. Come on, somebody. Here's, here's my rule of thumb. You got three chapters. You got, I'm gonna give you all I got for three chapters. And let me tell you something. If you ain't got me by three chapters, I'm gonna bless somebody else. Here you go, brother, sister. You can have this book. Take it on, go ahead and go. I'm, I pray the Lord speaks to you. Go ahead. 57% of the people that purchase books haven't completed them. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that if you read that, that, that you're, you're some incredible learner? No, because we can often read and we can just let it go in one ear and out the other. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's a great picture of showing you where our country is. And y'all know the saying, we've said it since we were kids. Readers are, readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. Readers are leaders, guys. That's the, that's the quote. For those that didn't know, everybody's like, oh, that's right. Oh, it's the third service. Y'all give me a break. Oh, y'all are a mess. Praise God. But here's what it is. It's just a, something so simple as, as reading a book, but we can learn so much. Why? Because there are so many people that have gone before us that have learned it, that have lived it, that have done it, and have done it better. I am not the smartest person you'll ever meet. I'm not. I never will be. I know that. But here's what I do know. I'm always going to outlearn you. It's a goal in my life. I mean, if y'all knew how, and for how many books I tried to read and listen to and all the different, and I'll tell you, I was the one, for those of you in the room that are like me or online, like I was like, oh, like, I'm not really like a reader. Like, I don't really like, like, it's not really like for me. Well, good, you're gonna stay dumb. <laughs> and I had to get to a place in my life and I'm not making fun of you if you don't read, but I had to get to a place in my life where I said, wait, there's an incredible amount of learning that I'm missing. And here's what happens. I never want to miss, hear my heart. I'm just talking to you like we're at a coffee shop. I never want to miss something God has for me because I'm too afraid or too lazy to grow. I never want to miss something that God has for me because I'm too lazy or too selfish or too prideful to, to pursue the growth. And so I challenge you, listen, it should be a, it should be a lesson that you put in a thing you should put in your, I wanna outlearn people. Well, I'm 50 years old or I'm 70 years old. I'm, uh, I've, I've learned it all. No, we've all, we can always continue to learn. And so I wanna get in the, I wanna make sure that I'm always doing my best to learn. Why? Because I wanna always be stretching myself to, in order to hold the capacity in which God is trying to give me. And I never wanna miss out on what God has for me because I'm too selfish or too lazy to grow. And we have to be these people. And that we should do this spiritually with our own relationships with God. We should always be pursuing knowing him more. 
We never get to the place of where we know God just because we think we know him or we've read a certain scripture or we've read certain scriptures or we know certain scriptures. We've never, we'll never know who God fully is. And so if that's the case, we should always be pursuing, learning who he is so that we can continue to stretch ourselves to be who he's called us to be. Amen. John chapter 13 and verse 34, it says this. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. John chapter 15 and verse 12, it says this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus is speaking to, in both of these and he says, I give you a new commandment. Here's the new commandment. I want you to love those around you. And he says, in fact, people will know you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. Then he says, listen, there's no greater love. There's no greater love on this planet than one that's willing to say, I'm gonna lay down my life, lay down my desires, my ways, my, and I'm gonna say, I wanna serve you I wanna, and I wanna love you. If we're really gonna be people that remain faithful to the end, that stand in the end, we have to be people that outlearn people and we have to be ones that outlove people. I love this because Jesus doesn't say, here's a new commandment for you. I want you, to, I want you to love other people. And then I love that he doesn't say that your learning will cause people, how much you know about God will cause people to know that you are my disciples. He doesn't say how much you know. See, this is where we, got, we get caught up sometimes. Is we try to learn, 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 learn about God. But then if we never stop and apply and love and, love what, and apply what we learned, then it's all meaningless. We don't want to just be people with a bunch of information about who God is. We want to be a people that are learning about God and then living and like, like Christ did and loving like Christ did for us. Learning, but then also loving. And it's so important that we would be a people. Listen, uh, we, if you're married in the room or online, your goal should be, I, I wanna outlove my spouse. I'm gonna outlove them. Oh no, I'm gonna wait for them to love me. I'm gonna wait for them to be kind to me. I'm gonna, be wait, I'm gonna wait for them to serve me. No, I wanna outlove them. I'm gonna outlove them. I'm gonna be the first to do it. Why? Because I wanna outlove you. Why? Because this is what Jesus did for me. The Bible says before we ever loved him, he loved us. And so now we replicate that by saying we're going to love others before they ever love us. Somebody comes to this church and they may not know God or may be far from God. We want to love them and we want to love them and we want to love them. Why? Because they believe what we believe? No. Because we think that, they're, that we're better than them? No. We want to love them because we know that God once loved us when we didn't love him. And so we want to turn around and we want to replicate that for others around us. We want to be a church. And I believe we are a church that is known for loving people. Wherever you are. Whatever your background whatever your age, whatever your race, whatever your sin, whatever your struggle, whatever your situation is, whatever your sickness is, we're gonna love you. I love them. We wanna be a people that outloves others. For those that maybe aren't married in the room, I would encourage you to be a person that challenges yourself and says, I wanna be competitive with myself and say, I wanna outlove more than I did yesterday. I wanna, I wanna get in the grocery store, or I wanna get in the school, or I wanna get in the workplace, and I wanna, love, I, I wanna, I wanna outlove somebody today. I wanna love them more than I did last, last, last week or this week. And here's what, there's a famous phrase, and y'all probably have heard it, but it says, education without application is just entertainment. Education without application is just entertainment. 
And this is oftentimes what we do where we learn so much about God. And I've actually had people say this where they're like, oh, man, would you like disciple me? Sure. Like, man, no, like, I want to be discipled by me. Like, would you meet with me every week? And would you like tell me everything you know? And I'm like, first thing, bro, I don't know very much. That's the first thing. The second thing I always say is, listen, it's not a, you, me just teaching you everything you know. That's not what discipleship is. That's just learning about God. Discipleship is I'm going to learn and then I'm going to apply what I learn. Discipleship is not just learning. It's also living out what we learn. And so that's why if not, we're just entertaining ourselves with information. And then we can puff ourselves up and make ourselves feel good. And this happens in the Christian world where we think, oh, we know all these scriptures or we go to all these church services or, oh, we go to all these small groups and oh we know the right songs to sing and oh we know the right ways to lift our hands and all those things are great but if it's not causing us to go out and love people outside these doors it's all meaningless and it's important that we understand this that we would be a people that say we want to love others why because Jesus says, this is how people will know that we're his disciples. By the way that we love one another. And it's interesting because God oftentimes allows us to walk through moments or seasons of pain in our lives. And oftentimes we say things like, God, where are you? Why would you allow this to happen? And there's all different reasons why. I'm not going to get in that today. But I do know that everybody walks through moments or seasons of pain in their life. It happens for all of us. And if it hasn't happened, it will. We'll, we all will walk through seasons of pain and moments. Why? Because I believe this. I believe pain is an adhesive. And what happens is, and I'll show you right here, I got, a little, I got a little illustration. I got this really, really strong adhesive. And if I'm not careful, I'll be preaching with this on me for the rest of the service. Okay, good. So I got this really strong adhesive, okay? It's really strong. I don't know what it is, but it's strong. And if you don't believe me, you can come touch it, okay? <laughs> and here's what it is. And this is oftentimes what happens. Pain is an adhesive. So God will allow us, hear me, God will allow us to walk through seasons of pain because the Bible says that he turns everything around for the good of those who believe in him. He'll turn it around, he'll turn the pain around and he'll make us an adhesive. What does that mean? It allows us then to understand that people that have walked or are walking through the same pain are now attracted to us. And so now we become an influence because of the pain that we've walked through. You ever met somebody that's been divorced? And they start to talk to somebody that's been divorced and they can minister to somebody that's, been, that's going through a divorce way more than somebody that's been married for 50 years. Yes. You ever been talking to somebody who's an addict and they talk to somebody who once was an addict and that person that once was an addict can minister to that person that is an addict way more than someone that's never been an addict? You ever met somebody who's, depre who's, who's depressed, who talks to someone who once was depressed and that person who once was depressed can minister to that person that is depressed way more than the person that's never been depressed? Why is that? Why is that? It's because God intended for us to use, hear me, and this is where we talk about our loving and learning, uh, use our pain and learn from it so that we can then now shine it in light to others around us and it become an attraction so we can love them where they are. 
So God will actually allow us to walk through pains and seasons and times because he wants us to then learn from it, one, so that we don't make that same mistake. Think about it. It's like if you have a child or if you yourself, if you touch a stove, the the reaction of the feeling of the pain is going to remind you and let you know, I shouldn't touch the stove. Sometimes we'll walk through things to remind us. So now God will say, okay, I shouldn't make that decision again. Why? Because it leads to pain. Then we learn from it and now we're allowed to actually be an influence to those around us. God uses it and he gives us the privilege to be an influence to those around us that have walking or are walking through the same thing. And so then what happens is God actually uses our pain for his glory. But oftentimes people get stuck in their pain and this is what happens. And I gotta be real careful. And this is what happens. And we get so stuck in our pain with, well, he said, or he did, or she said, or she did, or they did, or they hit. They, and then we get so stuck in our pain, our pain that we'll blame all these reasons to keep us from being healed from the pain. And so we'll try, to, we'll try to cope with the pain. We'll try to hide the pain. We'll try to get into all different types of relationship to cover the pain or substances. And we, all we're doing is this. And we're getting stuck in our pain. And here's what happens. Now, because we're stuck in our pain, now we're not allowing our pain to have a purpose. And so now we're just stuck with it. But God wants us to learn from our pain. This is where the learning and the loving comes. He wants us to learn from the pain. Why? So that we won't get stuck in it, but in fact, then we'll be a light to others around us and help them also not get stuck in their pain. And this is who we are as a church. We're a church, we say, Hope Healing Home, that we be a church that we find healing, but then also not just healing, then we turn around and we start to shine for others around us in our workplace. We shine for others in our communities. We shine for others in our schools. Why? Because we want people to know. That's why I tell people, don't hide your past and don't cover up your past and don't like it, act like you've always been this holy roller. Why? Because there are people that are walking through the same thing that are looking for someone that can say, I've been there and God got me through. And let me tell you something. If he got me through, he can get you through. And this is the great thing about our God, but we must be a people that say, I'm not going to get stuck there. I'm out love. I'm going to out love. I'm going to love people so much. Hear me. I'm going to love people so much so that I'm going to allow God to begin to heal my heart because I'm loving that person so much that I'm actually going to let that situation go because I want to be able to love them freely and be an influence and be an adhesive to them so that they can see Jesus through me. Does that make sense? So important that we would do this. First Timothy chapter four and verse 12, very quickly. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. We're really gonna be people that last till the end, that stand firm and faithful to the end. We have to be people that outlearn people, that outlove people, but then also outlead people. I love this in 1 Timothy. He says, don't let them look down on you because you're young. Timothy was a young man and Paul was writing to him and he says, don't let them look down on you because you're young. So, but instead be an example. And see, this is what leading is. Leading is I'm living in a way that I'm being exa- an example to you. The life that I'm choosing to live is an example to you. And that's what leadership really is. And so it's so important that we would understand this. Okay, I wanna be a person that says, God, I wanna, I wanna lead by example. Here's the question I would ask you, everyone in the room, online. Here's the question I would ask. In your circle of life, Who's the examples? In your circle of what you call life, in your jobs, 
in your schools, your sororities, your teams, your neighborhoods, your families? Who's the examples? Who's the example of purity? Who's the example of correct speech, of godly talk? Who's the example of godly decision-making? Who's the example of standing for your faith? Who's the example of loving your spouse? What, who, is your marriage, hear me, is your marriage an example for those that are married? For those that are in college, is the lifestyle you're choosing to live as an example to those in your college? Because here's what I know. It's very hard to be a light if I'm caught up in the same darkness. It's very difficult to be a light. Again, we're just talking. I'm just at a coffee shop, me and you. It's very difficult to be a light if I'm caught up in the same darkness. It's very difficult to be a light in our marriages if our marriage is struggling and, and, and we're, being, we're being negative and mean and aggressive towards our spouse. It's very difficult to be a light. Why? Because they're gonna be like, your marriage is worse than mine. I don't wanna hear you. I want your Jesus. It's very hard for those that are young people. It's very hard to be a light of purity if you're doing the same things with your boyfriend or girlfriend as everybody else. <gasps> very hard to be a light of godly speech when we're gossiping like everybody else does. It's very hard to be a light when we're posting the same things everybody else does. If we're caught up in the same darkness, it's very difficult to be an example. Why? Because we're like everybody else. It's very difficult if you're just as stressed as everybody else at work. It's very difficult to, to be a light. Why? Because they're going to be like, bro, you get more stressed than I do. I don't want nothing to do with you. Back off. You know what I'm saying? You're making me stressed out. Y'all ever get around people that like they're so stressed that like you get around, you're like, ah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. Anyways, I get around people and y'all know me. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm, yeah, that's me. And so like I get around people and they're worked up. I'm like, ah, yeah, ah. no. It's very hard to be a light if we're fearful just like everybody else is. It's very hard to be a light if we're just as anxious as everybody else is. It's very hard to be a light if we're dancing in the clubs just like everybody else is. Too much. <laughs> oh, well, Pastor Jordan, I'm being like Jesus. Jesus went to the sinners. Yeah, but he wasn't sinning. And he surely wasn't dancing like that. And probably was wearing a little bit more clothes. Oh, shoot, he said it. I'm being funny, but I'm also being serious. Who's the examples? If godly Christians can't set the example, who does? If godly believers can't set the example of who Christ is, who does? There's a famous quote, you've probably all heard it. They say that some people, the only Jesus they will ever see is you. And so are we giving people, hear me, again, I'm talking about lasting and living a life of faithfulness. And are we living in such a way where people, when they see us, we're setting examples of who Jesus really is. Are we loving that way? Are we living that way? Because this is who God has called us to be. We're really gonna 
be people that stand firm to the end, that remain faithful to the end. We gotta outlearn. We gotta outlove. We gotta outlead. And lastly, as I close today, Galatians chapter six and verse seven, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows and whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Got out learn, got out love got out lead, and lastly, got outlast. Outlast people. I love this. He says, if you don't give up, you'll see a harvest. We'll, you'll reap what you sow. And we're living in a time, just being honest with you here as we close, but we're living in a day and an age where almost every week, literally almost every week, I get a phone call or a text with almost the same conversation with somebody. And it usually starts or says, it's something along the lines of, have you heard that's what so-and-so did? You heard about so-and-so. And it's not gossip, but it's usually, and what it is, it's always about a, a, this big name person in the Christian faith that's fallen. If you heard about what so-and-so did, if you heard about what so-and-so happened, you heard what's happened so-and-so, you heard what so and here's where I'm at. We're at a place where God is looking for people to just say, I want to stand firm. We're living in a culture and a society where it's so interesting. We have these incredibly famous celebrities that have more money than they know what to do with and more fame than they know what to do with. And they have conversations with people and they'll say things like, you know what, they're searching for something that is more than what they have. And they're trying to find this meaning and this purpose and this satisfaction in life and they can't and they don't know why. What does it show us? It shows us those things aren't the answer. Is money bad? No. Is fame bad? Nope. Not if it's used for, used for the right th reasons and the right purpose. But it does show us that those things don't satisfy us and those things will not sustain us. When I'm on my last breath, I want to be able to take that breath knowing I stood firm. Just outlast them. I, I, you know what, if it's, I, I, this has been my prayer lately, just y'all can hear me. Like, if I'm the only one, God, if I'm the only one, I'll stand firm. If I'm the only one, I've actually gone a little deeper than that in between me and God, and I'll just tell you, so now it'll be between me, God, and all of you. I've even said, God, if I'm the only pastor, if I'm the only one, if I'm the only one that remains faithful to the end, God, I'll stand firm. Does that mean that I think that I'm better than them? Absolutely not. Does that mean that I think that I'm a person that's gonna, that, can, that is too big for temptation? Absolutely not. In fact, we all know we're all just one decision away from real stupid. Yes, we are. You are. I am. We all are. Yes, it's true. You are. You're probably, you're, you might be in stupid already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Or if I'm the only one, 
I'll stand. If you're the only one in your workplace, will you stand firm? If you're the only one at your school, you stand firm. If you're the only one in your neighborhood, if you're only, the only one on your team, the only one in your sorority or your fraternity, if you're the only one, the question we must ask is will we choose to stand? And I love this. How do we stand? Just don't give up. I love it. Just continue to, to sow and sow and sow. And as you sow, you will reap, the scripture says, you'll reap eternal life. I encourage you in a world where so many are falling from the left and the right. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep studying. Keep reading. Don't give up. Maybe you're at a place in your life, in your marriage, and you feel like you're on your last straw with your marriage. Don't give up. Maybe you're at the place in your life where you just you're even it's yourself and you say, I'm just this is my last my last breath and my last my last hopes on my own life. Can I encourage you today? Don't give up. Serve a God who loves you and He's here for you and He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Don't give up. Maybe you're at the place where you're like, I'm at the place with God where I just don't even know if I believe in him. I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't heard him or I haven't felt him. I, I just don't know if I even, don't give up. Don't give up. Some of the greatest, hear me, some of the greatest men and women that we read about in the scripture, some of the greatest ones that we call superheroes that we look at and we think are these incredible men and women who are the, who are the, the ones that really can show us what faith is like most of them. The reason why they were so great is just because they chose not to give up. I don't know where you are in your life, but I'll tell you this. Don't give up. Be a person that's willing to stand even if no one else will. Because I can promise you this. When you get to heaven, the Bible says that if we remain faithful, that we'll hear the greatest words that any person could ever hear. And that is well done, good and faithful servant. Doesn't say we'll hear, well done, popular servant. Well done, cool servant. It says well done, faithful servant. Let us be a church. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Again, I'm just talking to you today, but let us be a church that we would say, I'm going to outlearn people. I'm going to outlove people. I'm going to outlead people by the way that I set my example and how I, how I live my life, and I'm going to outlast people. Well, what do you mean? Like the, does that mean like we think we're better than people? No, absolutely not. That is not what we mean at all. We don't, I don't think that we're better than any person on this planet, but it does mean that it gives us an opportunity to say, okay, I got something to work on. I got something to test and my evaluate my heart and test my actions so now that I can turn around and say, I want to live like Christ. I want to stretch myself. Why? Because I know God has more for me. And so I know in order to receive all that God has for me, I have to continue to stretch myself, die to myself, and continue to pursue Him and be who He's called me to be. Because this is how we remain. This is how we stand firm to the end. Amen.